The message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge change is inevitable. You have my heart. You have my passion. You have my praise. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In this place, this night, God, I ask you, God, to be in charge. I thank you because you are in charge. Thank you, sweet spirit. We give you the opportunity to work the way you want to do it tonight. Use me. Open our hearts. Change our mindset. Fix the things that need fixing. Change the things that need changing. Let your power fall tonight right in this very place, God. Right in this very place. Cause your healing to flow through this house. Cause your anointing to inundate this place. Move the way you want. You have it. My passion. My praises. Always. Thank you. In Jesus name. Psalm 127. You may be seated please. Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Say it with me. Unless the Lord build the house, the builders labor in vain. Okay? How about turn to your neighbor and say exactly the same thing. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. How many of you would like to work for nothing? You wake up early in the morning, 6.30 in the morning and rush off. To work. And then you work 10 hours stretch. And you are not getting paid for it. You put in your best. You labor. And you don't get paid for it. And perhaps... The owner of the business has not told you that you have been let go. But they've already sent a letter to you. They've sent you an email that the last day you came last weekend was your last day. 
You know how they do it. When they send you an email, they take it that at the end of the day, they consider that you have received it. <laughs> and then you didn't check your email. And you kept going back to work for one full week. You still wake up very early. Beat the traffic, get to work, work 10 hours. Even request from your supervisor for over, over um, what do you call it? Overtime. And they grant it. Without you knowing that you've already been let go a week ago. It's been communicated to you. And at the point where you realize that you've been let go and yet you've worked one full week. And perhaps this particular week was the week that you put in your best. How would you feel? You've worked in vain. You worked for no benefit. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builder works but in vain. You know how we started off with the idea that when you worship God, you still really cannot worship God without the Holy Spirit. Unless the Holy Spirit leads you to worship the Father, you really cannot worship. You can't just worship. The Holy Spirit helps us to worship the Father. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he said, the time is coming and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in truth and in spirit. Because the Father seeks such kind of people to worship him. Seek such kind of people to worship him. In other words, when you come into church to worship the Father, you've got to be ready to worship by the Holy Spirit. You've got to ask the Holy Spirit, help me today to worship you. Help me. Help me. You've got to be able to speak the language of the Father. And what do I mean by the language of the, of the Father? You've got to connect. You've got to connect. You've got to be prepared to worship him. You've got to be prepared. You've got to consider who you're worshiping. Who am I worshiping? Who is this person? Who is this personality that I bow before? You know, we sing all the song. We bow down and worship you. Yahweh, which is the um, Hebrew name for God. We bow down and worship you. You know, at times, our, our lips bow, but our heads don't bow. Our lips bow, our hearts don't bow. Our lips bow, our, our work don't bow. Nothing about us tells us we are bowing down, we just say it. But nothing is bowing, nothing is standing in awe of God's presence. The builders labor in vain. You don't want your worship to be in vain when your spirit is not bowing down. I was still here. You can't come to God's house even with your giving. Can I tell you, it's a waste of time and money. The labor, <laughs> the laborers, the builders work in vain is a waste of time and money to give to church, even money that you are not decided in your spirit that is 
going to be given to the Father. When you give your offering, you need to be able to give your offering by the Holy Spirit. It's got to be prepared. It's got to be prepared. Are you still here? It's got to be prepared. Say to someone, it's got to be prepared. How many of you ever get someone a birthday gift that you've not prepared? When you want to give a gift to someone, you don't just take anything and, and throw at them. You prepare them, right? You put thoughts into them. You get them ready. You get it packed, wrapped up. Do you know at times when we wrap some things, it looks really beautiful regardless of the content. You know, one, one beautiful way that Apple, well, probably I'm biased, but Apple is winning hands down is that you, you look at the package, you just feel like the, the $2,000 that you paid is worth it without even seeing the phone inside. You just look at the package, you go, yeah, this is worth the $2,000. Because it's so well packaged. And the reason why they've packaged it is because they thought you, your value, you, the money you're paying is worth it. So they give you the best packaging. They could have put it in a paper bag and given it to you because it's the phone you're buying, not the package, right? But how many of you would buy the phone without a good packaging? Oh, talk to me. So let's say, for example, Apple decides today, we're no longer packaging our phones and we, you know, if you want to buy the phone, just come in and we'll just give you the phone. Some of you will switch. Samsung. Nokia, even. I still love them, too. But they do package them properly so that you feel like having them. You, you, can I say, I've had a few phones and some of them I've gone home to be with their creator, whatever. But I still have the packages. I still have the packages. At times I just feel like, no, I can't just throw this package away. It looks really nice. It felt like they thought about me before they actually made the phone and put it in the package. The phone gets old, the package remains the same. It was prepared. It was prepared. How many of you bring your worship to God that is unprepared? Unpackaged? You've not thought about the Lord enough. You don't know him. So you've not prepared your offering. You've not prepared your worship. You've not prepared your praise. You've not prepared anything. You just come in. He'll take it. You have it. No, I won't. I won't. I know you won't. No, for example, let's think about it, right? I invite you to eat and I go, yeah, sit down, eat, and the food is in a very trashy container. You look at me, look at the food, look at me, look at the food and go, I'm not hungry, thank you. And you add a smile to it. And before... I offered you, I knew you were hungry. But you just got put off by the packaging. And some of us get, get put off by the packaging. 
don't you think at times when you don't package your, your worship that the Holy Spirit gets put off by your packaging of your worship? Because you've got to think about it. You've got to put some thoughts into it. You've got to think, um, this worship is my gift to the Father. And if I've got to bring a gift to the Father, I've got to be ready with something. I've got to package it properly. And why am I ranting about packaging worship? How do you package worship? How do you package worship? How do you package your worship? How do you wrap it beautifully for the Father? Number one, you've got to be sure whom you're worshiping. You've got to be sure. First question. Whom is, who is my worship meant to be towards? Psalm chapter 24 verse 1 is causing the earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it. And he calls him the Lord. And then the last verse is he said, Who is that? Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted, ye everlasting doors, that the King of glory calls him again, the King of glory shall come in. He said, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted, ye everlasting doors. In other words, whatever has ever existed still bows to this one, still look at him and give him glory. He said that the king of glory calls him the king of glory. So come in. So that the king of glory should come in. And then he asks a question. Who is this king of glory? Psalm 24. Do it. Great. Oh, thank you. You are smart. Who is this king of glory? Now we're talking about your worship being wrapped up. For someone, you've got to know who you are worshiping. That's our number one. You've got to know who you're worshiping. And it says, hey, we're worshiping the king of glory. So, okay, now let's think. Who is this king of glory? And then it talks about him as the Lord of hosts. Now, when he talks about hosts, he's actually talking about millions and millions of angels. And it's not just the um, sleeping angels. Is actually talking about the angels, military angels, all right? The commando angels. He said, so who is this king of glory? He said, he's the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. So the question is, who... Is your worship prepared for? The king of glory. Ah, the king. That beats my mind first. Then he added an, uh, the biggest ice into it. Of glory. King is big enough. Of glory beats my imagination. Are you still here? He is king. When you see the king... Everyone comes towards, you see, in the 21st century, you probably might not understand the full import of who the king is. The king is a monarch, right? And back in those days where the monarchy, only the monarchy reigns, actually, to 
um, yesterday I was hearing that the, uh, the new king of Thailand will be not sworn in. How, how do you say? Not transfer of power. There's a word when it comes to monarchy. Um, well, I can't remember. But anyone who remembers, you can feel it for me. All right. So, but he's going to be installed as the new king of Thailand. Now, he's been there for two years. His father has died and he's passed it on to him. Now, he's going to be installed as the new king of Thailand for the whole country to accept him as a king. The total ruler. The one who commands and demands and do, does whatever. Of the land. You see, we are in Australia where Prime Minister, well, you can even go on YouTube today or probably on Facebook and insult the Prime Minister and nothing happens. You dare not insult the King of Thailand. You're done. You can't even go to Thailand. There are some places you can't take photos. You'll be arrested. And for those of you who are thinking about going to Thailand, you'll be arrested. You can speak against the king. You cannot. Even the Queen of England. She's not the Prime Minister of England. Someone said, Well, she's just a figurehead. Oh, you want to try it? She's not. Actually, she's the most recognized monarchy in the whole world. Now, that's just the queen. In Australia, where she does not even reside, we celebrate her birthday. And it's not even her true birthday. You, you know that, right? So somehow she gets to celebrate two birthdays. And she can decide whenever her birthday wants to be. She can change it. And then you look at her, regardless of how you think, regardless of how bad you think about her or any king, what do you say to them? May you live forever. Right? May you live forever. Regardless of how you feel about them. Even if you want to make a complaint, you have to give them the respect. And having said that, now let's come back to think about the king of glory. It kind of helps you to understand that this king, who is the lord of all the earth, in other words, he's the monarch of the universe. Is the monarch of the universe. Is the, is the one. Is the king. He's the one. He made everything. So at times, we underestimate the idea of God. But when we kind of try to understand the God we're talking about from the perspective of kingship, it kind of changes our perception a little bit to see that it's just more than that person who they say does not exist. He's the king of the universe. Now, how can we bring worship to him without being prepared? Oh, think about Mary who came to Jesus and she had you know, what we today know as the alabaster box of ointment. 
And that alabaster box cost a fortune. And she came. She was prepared. Who knows? You know, what was his name? Judas Iscariot thought about, well, who could have sold this? And do you know this is almost worth a, a person's full year's salary? I'm not sure how much you earn. But let's say an average of $800 a week. How much would that be? Probably $64,000, right? So $64,000 on just a box of ointment. This lady, this girl, whatever you called her, I'm not quite sure how old she was, but she came to Jesus. She recognized his kingship and her whole salary was locked up in a bottle. Came to Jesus, broke it on his feet. Poured it all over him. She took one year to prepare to bring the worship to Jesus. Come on. Did, did you see that? She took one full year because they considered that, um, you know, that bottle as one year's worth. So she prepared for one full year to bring worship to Jesus. One full year. And I could hear her heart saying, this is not enough. You are worth it. This is not enough. Do you know why? Because she didn't stop at just breaking the ointment because that would have been enough, right? She went all the way down with her hair. Right? Do you know that the hair of a woman, the Bible says, is the glory of the woman? True? Oh, ladies, you know. Let's sit you down now. I'll get the clipper. And let me see how many of you will be bold enough, aside from Gigi, be bold enough for me to... So give them a, a smooth one. No, you won't be. In fact, that will be the last day we'll be friends. Because you are the most wicked person I've ever seen. Why? Because the hair of a woman is the glory of the woman. Now, although she knew that she already brought the whole year's worth of ointment, not just ointment, the, the value is the whole year's worth, right? So the master and broke it. At his feet, on his feet, she took her glory and wiped the master's feet. Then Judah spoke up, hey woman. But, but in the scriptures, I didn't hear Mary spoke back. Mary didn't speak back. Not because Mary feel, felt like, you know what, I'm a woman, you're a man, you just better talk. You know, and I keep quiet. No, that's not why. He just felt, she felt, you don't know what this means. You don't know what I'm given. I've prepared this, especially for the master. This is not for you. This is not your business. Do you know at times when you worship, it's not any other person's business? If you really prepared, if you brought your worship for the master, you don't care what other people think? David was prepared with his worship. When his clothes fell off, he didn't just remove it by himself. When it fell off, he didn't care because he knew it was not about the people looking. 
The Bible tells us that he danced like a crazy man. And today we thought it was posh. It's not. His wife saw him from the window, saw him naked, dancing before the Lord. She knew it was before the Lord. The Bible tells us that his wife despised him in her heart. And they're like, nah, this is terrible. That's not my husband. That's not how we're done. But David was prepared. David brought in the worship. He was ready for it. Oh, if you studied that, that scripture very well, you realize that the worship that was prepared did not just, was not just only dancing. No, dancing was the icing on the cake. Actually, the, the rule was that whenever you carry the Ark of the Covenant, you only kill a lamb. Only one. Okay, a sacrifice. But this time, David did not kill one. At every 10 paces, he walks 10 paces, he kills one. Then walks another 10 paces, he kills another one. So until he got to the city of David, and he realized that, well, it's almost become a routine. It's almost too usual. Well, I can see what else to do. Just like Mary, he thought, you know what, I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance. And perhaps he knows how to dance. But then it became too significant that he danced the kind of dance that no one will ever go, this is actual dancing. This, they rather called it, this is madness. Man, put something on. You're dancing before the Lord. You can't even see the Lord. What, what are you doing? Something wrong with you. Do you know people say that? What, what, what are you doing? You're saying you're waiting on God. The God, what, what God? The one that you don't see? What are you doing? Hey, what we do is by faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence. Evidence of things not seen. We've not seen it. But we believe. And Jesus said there's a blessing for that. Not seen it yet believed. Have you prepared your worship. When you come to the master, when you come into church, when you're coming, do you consider who you're worshiping? Do you consider I'm worshiping the king of glory? So, today, I'm going to dance for him or I'm going to do whatever it takes to make him know that my worship was prepared for him. So, this is especially for you. This is especially for you. And when you do that at times, it's not just something that, 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 that you just say, Let, let's just do it for the sake of it. No. It's not a ticking box thing. It's a heart thing. If it's not coming from your heart, it better not do it. Why? Unless the Lord build the house. The builder builds in vain. Are you still here? I thought I already lost you because I've taken you through all the corners. But we're back home, right? Unless the Lord builds a house. Build in vain. So you can't worship Jesus. You can't worship Jesus without preparing, without understanding that he's Jesus. He's Jesus, the king of glory. Number two.
give him a worship. As though it's the last opportunity. Give him the worship as though it's your last and only opportunity. Oh, I'm going to use an analogy that just dropped in my spirit. <clears throat> but I'm not quite sure if this is going to make sense. But hopefully it makes sense a little bit. It's a bit awkward, but I, I'm going to say it. So let's say, for example, that you're running after someone that you really loved and it's the first time that you've seen the person and you're asking for a date and, and you want to go for a date and you know this problem might just be your only opportunity. This might just be your only opportunity. What would you do? Would you be pre prepared? Would you put on your best? And not just only outward appearance. Would you wear your manners before you leave home? Would you rehearse how to use the fork and knife? You understand? Would you think about where to take her? Or where to take him? You know, would you think about it? Would you, would you withdraw almost all your money in the bank just to impress? Just to impress? How? Oh, come on. You're still here? Just to impress? You know, when you worship Jesus, you give him your best. As though it's the only opportunity to impress him. Give him your best. It's your only opportunity. Don't do it because of other people. Do it for your own sake. Do it. You see, we've got the opportunity every time we come in here together to worship him. Bring your best. Do you know your best does not really cost too much? It just costs your heart. He's not asking you to give what you don't have. He's asking you to give what is precious to you. And what is precious to you? To Abraham, the, pre the precious thing to him was no longer his faith. It was Isaac. Because his faith was Isaac until Isaac was born. Now, when Isaac was born, Isaac became his living faith. All right. So he looked at Isaac and go, well, that's what I've waited for. All this what? This guy. And who knows how many people he threatened because of Isaac. You know, if you touch that boy, you're done. You ain't going to be part of my family if you ever talk to him the way you're talking to him. Who knows how many servants he sacked just because of Isaac. Oh, of course, his other son, Ishmael, his son, come on, are you still here? His other son, Ishmael, was driven out of the home with his mother because of Isaac. So Isaac was precious. And God said, I need your precious. What's your precious? That's my number three. What's your precious? What's your precious? He needs it. Oh, I love God. He doesn't go for the, for the one-eyed one. <laughs> he doesn't go for the, the broken leg one. No. He goes for the juggler. <laughs> he goes for the best. He goes for the best. And he's asking you to give your precious. What's your precious? You know, at times your precious is just your time. For some of you, at times, your precious is just your time. Instead of going to work, you go, no, I've got to be at church. They've called me. Yeah, I know, but 
I've got to be at church. You know, some people ask me, said, you're there because you don't have option. Because you're the pastor. I said, no. Actually, I have more option than you. Because people will believe me more when I say I'm not coming than you. If I say I'm not coming, they will go, oh, wow, he must be doing something very important. But if you say you are not coming, I will feel like, oh, well, of course, right? So you believe me more. So I'm not always here because I've got to be. I'm here because I've got to bring my precious. I could pretend as though everything that I'm doing about church is heavy. Of course it's heavy. Everyone knows that. But if I say it's heavy and tell God, you know what? Just because it's heavy, I'm going to stay at home today and sleep. How about that, God? Would he agree with me? Possibly. Who is missing out? You think it's God or me? I bring my precious all the time. Do you think it's every time I want to come to church? No. There are some days I don't want to wake up yet early in the morning. But I know if I don't wake up early in the morning, the time that I told God, you know, I have contract with him that by, by 10.30, I'm bringing my precious. He's, do you think he's going to be waiting for me? Of course he will. He will wait for me at 10.30. Do I want to disappoint him a little bit and go, how about you wait? Let me sleep 30 more minutes. Let me snooze the button a little bit. And no, I bring my precious. I bring my precious. Oh, I could have taken some work. You know, I could have taken a, a double shift and, and do something else. But I go, no. Not because I'm the pastor. I bring my precious. Are you still here? Do you get it now? I don't always have to be here. But I always want to be here. I love being here. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of God. I was glad. My heart was filled with joy. I felt like, wow, oh my goodness, another opportunity to do this. I bring my precious all the time. And do you know what? My precious is becoming stale. Why? Because I need to find out a better precious to bring. What year is it for us as a church? It's a year of fruitfulness and abundance. Fruitfulness and abundance. And abundance is not usual. Abundance is not usual. Because if it was usual, it wouldn't be called an abundance. Abundance is overflowing. Fruitfulness is yours. Abundance is for other people. Did you get that? All right, let's bring this to a close. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Say, unless the Lord watches over the city, the God stands watch in vain. You know, at times some of us would just go, yeah, you know what, I've just got to take the job. And sorry, that's the, that's the best uh, analogy I have at the moment, okay? Probably when I make up another one, I'll use it. All right. But you say, I've just got to take this job. Because if I don't take the job, I can't pay my rent, I can't pay this. Say, unless the Lord builds a city, watches over the city. Come on. You see that? Unless the Lord watches over the city. Unless the Lord. Say that with me. Unless the Lord watches over the city. The watchmen watch but in vain.
Do you know why I'm telling you this? Because I th think it's time for you to grow. It's time for you to come out of yourself. It's time for you to wake up into reality. God called you for a reason. He chose you for a reason. When he sent his disciples to the cities, do you know what he told them? Don't take anything for your journey. Don't take a purse. Oh, read it. It's in Matthew. Say, don't take a purse. Take nothing. Don't take food. So just go. So wherever you get to, knock at the place. And the only thing you've got to give them is peace. Just tell them, peace be upon this house. So if there's a person of peace in that house, they will open for you, bring you in, feed you. He said, but if, if there's no person of peace, so just dust your feet and walk away. Go to another one. He's not asking you to be a beggar. He's, asked, he's telling you, I will provide for you. It's not about what you do. It's about what he does for you. It's about the doors that he opens up for you. Are you still here? Do you know at times you get the kind of job that you're not qualified for? It's because he opened the door, not because you're smart. He opens the door. Oh, there's so many things that has happened in my own life that he's opened the door. Can I say, actually, for the last five and a half years, there's nothing that I've applied for that has not been granted. It takes a while, but it's granted. There are some I've fought over, probably go back again and say, you've got to grant And say, so, well, there's no need to grant it. We don't have a reason why we'll grant it at times. So I just ignore them and leave them with it. And then after about one year, it comes back and says, yeah, you got it. I say, yeah, I know I was going to get it. You know why I don't tell them thank you? Because it's expired. If they did it on time, they'll, they'll get it. Thank you. And it's true. It's true. You know, there are some things I even look at, and, you know, I, I go, well, I don't think we should apply for this because it's too bigger than us. And they go, say, yeah, it's too big. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, how about God? We've got God. We've got God. Let's apply. What's the worst that you can tell us? What's the worst? They tell us no. And you know what? They tell me no, and I don't accept it. They've got to look at it again. I told you last time. They said I wasn't graduating. Not because I failed, but because they don't look at my papers on time. So they've already compiled names who were going to graduate, and my name was missing. So we kept going front and back, front and back, probably about 14 emails at the end of the day. And I wrote those emails from the comfort of my home. I didn't have to go to the office. But they ran around, and two weeks later, they sent me an email and go, yep, you're graduating. I'm like, great. I've been waiting for it. I was preparing for it. And it's just one of so many. It's just one of so many. That God has done, not because I, I was smart enough, not because I knew the buttons to press. No, no. Yes, I did know the button to press. I pressed the King of Glory's button. That's what I did. That's what I did. That's what I did. Do you know what I really did? I didn't really have to go down on my two knees. See, I know the place of prayer, but I also know the place of what belongs to me. 
You get of what belongs to me. The the Bible says the earth belongs to the Lord, and I'm the son of the Lord that belongs to me too. Don't you think so? So I know what belongs to me. So when they say no, I just go, God, they said no. I'm not quite sure why, but the earth is yours. Come on, let's do this. I don't say it one day and tomorrow I go, yeah, what if he doesn't come out? No, I believe one thing. I just stick with one thing. I stick with one idea. Of course, I would think at times, what if it doesn't come out? And while it's still brewing up in my head, I just go, nah, that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about when it does come out. I don't go, what if it come out, comes out? I just go, when it comes out, what am I going to do with it? There are a few applications we've made. There's one I'm waiting for, and every day I'm waiting for the response. And their thank you has expired, long expired. Because if they've granted it in February, I would have gone, thank you, wow, wonderful. But I've waited. They've made me wait for two months. They ain't getting any thank you. I'm just going to prepare better worship for my Lord. Are you still here? Prepare your worship. Don't think, don't ever think that you've just got to do it for you to be able to keep your head above water. Do you know it's not you that is keeping your head above water? It's the God in you that is keeping you up. Right? He's, He's the one that keeps you up. And that is more of the reason I say when you commit to him, don't go back. When you say, yes, I'm going to do this, don't go back. Put your heart, your soul into it. Just say, yes, I'm here. Yes, I'm here. Yes, I'm here. Oh, no, no, no. Think, think for a moment. I think my, my time is up. But think for a moment, right? I was going to say if, but let's use the when. I become the richest person. Oh, in, New, in New South Wales. How about that? You'll be my friend, right? I won't ask you to be my friend. You'll just be my friend. Even when you were not my friend, or if you weren't my friend, you, you posted on Facebook, I know that guy. We attend the same church. You know, I always go to his house. You've never come. <laughs> but you see, when I do become the richest man, you will be sure, you will be well sure that whatever you want, you just know someone who can support you. You're not thinking, um, you're not thinking about how do I repay my loans. You just know when you default, you go to Michael's, right? It's true. A pastor is the richest person on, uh, on, in New South Wales. And then you start to take advantage, right? And I mean positive advantage. You go, well, that's why he's my pastor. He'll look after me. Right? He's my pastor. So why can't I ask him? If I don't ask him, who else am I going to ask? I'd say to you, better be asking that. All right. And then you come and go, hey. Uh, and for some of you, when I see your face, I just know what you want. So I just go, yep, how much? <laughs> 10,000, there you go. How about that? Are you happy now? Okay. And that's good. That's good. I love that. But you know what? If I can think about that as human, what do you think about the Heavenly Father? Who freely gives us all things to enjoy? He does. The Bible says he does freely give us all things to enjoy. And I want you to think about him that way, that whatever you bring to him, hey, let it be worth it. 
Let your worship be worth it. Let your praise be worth it. Let your time be worth it. Let your commitment be worth it. Don't slow down. Don't slack behind. You know, when you say, I'm committed, do it. Do it. Do it. And let's just see how far he brings you up. He does bring you up. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand on our feet? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the gods tend to watch in vain. So we know, God, that our house, you are building it. We know our city, God, you are watching over it. We thank you, God, because when we bring, we bring our best. When we say yes, we don't say half-hearted yes. We say full-hearted yes. When we say yes, we become the first to make our word work. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Because when we bring our worship to you, like Mary, we break it, we break it over your feet. Not over your head, but over your feet. Because we, we know this is not enough yet for your head. Oh, yes, God, and it's never enough. And we wipe it with our hair, with our glory. Why? Because when we are in your presence, nothing about us matters. Nothing about us matters. Because you are the king of glory. We praise you. We honor you. You have it. My passion, my praises, always, I give you my passion, my praises, in Jesus' name, amen. The message you've heard was produced by the Trans Edge Church, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com.